Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. Audio rolling. What <laughs> a great song. Oh, it's gonna be the best. <laughs> Every five minutes. Uh. Well, what's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead. And I am Scott Beer, cold beer enthusiast. And welcome to episode 48 of Beer Nuts, the podcast. And today we are at Magic Hat, the, uh, is it Art of Factory or Art Factory? Uh, Art of Factory. Art of Factory here in um, South Burlington, Vermont. And we're Chris Rockwell. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having Rockwood. us, man. Rockwood. 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 God damn it. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. And okay. hey, you're the head brewer. I, uh, on my better days. Yeah. Uh, better days. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for joining us, man. Happy to be and here. Thank you for having us. This is uh, such a sick facility, eh? It's crazy. It's huge. We're uh, very proud of our brewery. You know, it's been growing for 23 years almost. And uh, in this building for uh, about 19. So okay. nice. we love it. Love it. You guys are one of the first guys in the game, really, especially in uh, in Vermont, one of the, the forerunners in the craft beer scene. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, we we kind of came in the what I would call middle of the pack. Okay. Um, you know, mid '90s, '94 is when we started. Um, okay. There was uh, a few other guys that that paved the way before us. Um, you know, Greg Noonan fought and battled uh, for legislation to allow uh, brew pubs in the state of Vermont. So he founded Vermont Pub and Brewery in uh, the mid to late 80s. Wow. And that kind of really opened the gates for, uh, for things to get started. But uh, some of the biggest originals were, you know, Catamount, Vermont Pub and Brewery. Um, Long Trail's been around for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Otter Creek and Woolivers were, uh, were right around the same time as us or just a little bit before. But right. uh, That's crazy because the 80s, I, I, like craft beer was even <laughs> on the map. I was born in the 80s. Like, yeah. I feel like... It's more of a newer uh, sensation, but I guess not. I guess it started just hasn't wasn't as big, so it wasn't as uh... and very 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 niche, I guess, right? Like... Yeah, it's been it's been growing. Um, you know, the, the the predecessors that get stuff started were really taking pretty giant risks. Um, you know, on the larger scale of uh, of around the U.S., you got guys like Jim Cook and Crossman that really uh, you know put things into perspective and started this whole. More flavor, more styles. Um, Excuse me. In the U.S., that's been around for you know hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, yeah. globally. Right. So uh, in the U.S., it's a very new thing. But there's been some amazing beer styles made historically for much longer than uh, anybody in the U.S. can take credit for. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, speaking of awesome beer styles, let's crack this one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You have got, so this is something really special, right? You don't want to tell us about this bad boy? Yeah. So uh, this is Laughingstock. Um, so we've been uh, in the process of uh, kind of what we like to nickname a uh, an organized mutiny <laughs> okay. uh, uh, in a certain vein. Um, but uh, more so, it's, uh, it's an expression of what we sure. get to do here in Burlington. Um, you know, we're owned by a bigger company, but all of the production and all of the, uh, the style and stuff coming out is controlled by everybody here. So uh, right. this is uh, the second release in our Vermont-only series. Um, smell it from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's very potent, uh, aromatics-wise. But uh, yeah, shorted you a little bit. Hey, 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 come on. Plenty to go around. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, the Vermont Only series is uh, is an excuse, I guess, for uh, myself and uh, the 10 other guys on the brewing team to explore some different styles that we haven't in the past and really push, um, 
you know, getting back in touch with uh, with our local consumers. Oh my so God. this is a double IPA? Double IPA. Um, a ton of hops in there, a ton of variety, yes. ton of, variety of hops. Uh, Hazy. A little, you know. It's got a veil. It's yeah, not yeah, uh, yeah. not milkshake thick, but it's it's definitely hazy. Um, and like, from like two feet away, like that was like punching me in the yeah, face. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this was um, uh, a fun. The way it came about was actually I uh, talked to the brewing team, split them into three teams, and I was like, "Listen, gloves off. Tell me what hops you want, mm. what yeast you want to use. Doesn't matter. We we'll get it. Make it. Yeah. yeah. So." Uh, the three teams each brewed a double IPA to, okay. to their liking, cool. and then uh, at our holiday party, we had you know the whole staff taste them, and this was the one that people were like, "Rain Supreme." That's the one. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's uh, laughing stock, and you said it's got Simcoe, Simcoe, Magnum, Mosaic, Falconer's Flight, and Citra. Damn. Uh, so it's just like pineapple juice. Mm. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, Cheers. I apologize for drinking okay. ahead hey, of time. I got a little judge. excited. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's okay. But um, you know, on the palate, oh, yeah. it's relatively light, lighter um, than, the, than I anticipated. But, but a lot of mango, yeah. papaya, yeah, like tangerine, yeah. grapefruit in there. Um, you know, mm. flavors that you wouldn't necessarily think you were talking about beer for, but for sure. uh, it works very well. Would you say? Would you call this a? Uh, we were just touching on this beforehand, uh, like a Vermont style IPA, being that it's like a little hazy and fruity. Um, it's really good. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think uh, the interesting thing to me is that, um, you know, there have been fruit-forward fruit IPAs before that uh, relied solely on hops for those characteristics. Mm-hmm. It's more the advent of, of the most recent hops coming out of the Pacific Northwest um, that have, you know, the new varieties that have been created by the hop growers that are really driving that flavor. Right. So there's a couple breweries in the state that are known for producing IPAs, and that's kind of where it took hold. But mm-hmm. um, it's not something that's solely focused in Vermont or the Northeast. You right. know, there's there's a lot of other people going into this this field of IPAs. Don't just have to be bitter. Right. You can you can drive and evolve a lot of flavor with them that uh, that isn't just bitterness. So it's it's kind of rooted in Vermont, but I can't say we can claim it as our right. own. Why, why does it get the credit, do you think? Like whether it's Vermont or the Northeast or New England in general? Uh, I think it was, uh, you know, it was something that, um, you know, like the guys over at The Alchemist with their heady topper was an IPA that, that took foothold and kind of along with Pliny the Elder on the West Coast, those were the first two IPAs that had serious kind of buzz, pull, and draw. Like myth, too, right? Yeah, yeah. there was this, you know, this mythical land. If you showed up to Waterbury, <laughs> that, uh, you know, you could find this beer that was like amazing. And it's, it's a, it is an amazing beer. Um, and then, uh, you know, the way they brewed it, the amount of hops you need to kind of create those flavors makes it slightly hazy. So as, uh, as that took hold in the modern age of information spread throughout yeah. everywhere, yeah. It, it happened. And so. then Vermont got the credit, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And, and then I guess other breweries followed suit. They're like, okay, cool, well, Hedy's uh, Alchemist is doing this, and so let's, let's give it a crack. Yeah. Um, Interesting. You know, it's uh, it's a that. flavor that, uh, that it's, it's enjoyable. I, mean, I love, oh man, we love it. Another thing I find with these 
these style of beers, especially when made well, there's like such a smoothness, almost a creamy character to it. Like, do you attribute that to, is that something in the water here? Is that the yeast you use? I mean, obviously without giving away any trade secrets, but. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a large combination of all yeah. of them. Um, you know, water, uh, water chemistry is, is where you start with all beers. Yeah. And if you don't have great water, mm-hmm. it's gonna be really tough to make good beer. But uh, part of it's water chemistry, part of it is the yeast you use, looking at the actual malts you're using, um, overall decisions on finishing gravity, right. kind of complex sugars you're building into it right. that drive that body. Um, and you know, looking mostly to keep the total as much as you can get the, the bitterness up there, you want it restrained a little bit. You don't right. want to just punch, punch it in the it, face right. bitter. It's, it's yeah. you got to balance the the two. So though it used to be like you were saying, like the West Coast hot bomb palate wreckers, palate things, wreckers, yeah, which were cool, and we were kind of obsessed with those for a while. And I feel like it's like. We're sort of talking the other day. Swung the pendulum. other way, yeah. So like it went from that, now it's coming towards Creamy, the fruity, juicy, soft. And the yeah. same, exactly. And then other folks here, we've noticed when we asked, we're going to have a lightning round afterwards and talk about different, uh, it's a bit of fun. Um, <laughs> I'm in. So okay, beautiful. Cool. Love it. Um, talking about different styles, a lot of people seem to be feeling like the simplest styles. That, like, I think it's like really coming back the other way because you guys specifically here have had these crazy ass big beers and then now you're just like I just want a well made pills yeah. like, I'm like man I'm sick of this my yeah, palate yeah. can't take anymore I don't I, know. it's fascinating for me it's uh, it's interesting because I love beer I love the social act of drinking beer with people right. and so when that can go beyond an hour and a half because you just had you know two ten percent beers yeah, you're like yeah. all right it's okay, time for me to step good. out it it's a good thing i yeah. mean you know why call the night short you know you can build flavor into lighter styles it. it, it's a possibility yeah. yes um and it just kind of you know obviously it's uh a little bit simpler to build bigger flavors and bigger beers um but people have now through education and, and drinking are starting to get more towards the uh, the idea of appreciating simplicity mm-hmm. not necessarily a simple beer but subtlety you know yeah. well, complex subtleties yes. that, that can build complex those lighter styles yeah. and you know because sometimes you just want a cold beer that's refreshing that's and it. this yeah. is this is very refreshing. refreshing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's also 8%. Them, and, yeah. You know, or Even if you can't taste it. Yeah. Like, this is super well hidden, super smooth and creamy. Oh, I love this. This is fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's, been a, it's been a fun recipe to work on. Um, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to work with 10 other guys that, uh, that are just as into beer as I am. And yeah. uh, have, uh, you know, it, it takes a team to build flavors. Um, my personal drinking style tends to be more on the malt forward side. Mm-hmm. I appreciate IPAs. I think they're fantastic, but it's not my go-to. So right. um, it's really nice to have uh, a balance of what people want to make, what people like to drink when you're looking at building recipes and building flavors. Right. That's awesome, man. Um, tell us about your beer story. I feel like people people really love to hear that. You've been here a while, so uh, you may be fascinating to Yes. See how that went down. Um, I have a kind of interesting beer story. Uh, so it all started um, in college, actually. And <laughs> keep doing that. It's going to kill me eventually. <laughs> you know, in a brewery, there are brewery sounds. You just kind of go with it. That's what I But uh, so my, my journey into beer started uh, in college. I actually went to college just down the road in Colchester at St. Michael's. And um, 
the first time I walked into the Mooski Beverage store, which has become renowned for the place to go for yes. bottles and anything different, um, I kind of walked in and I was like, it's like right. there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's just all beer. I was like, wait, Whoa. what? Like, that's a thing? That's yeah. all beer? <laughs> um, so it was always, you know, you pick up your your bulk beer that you were going to consume for most of the night, and then you pick up a six-pack of anything off the shelf because right. it was, all right, let's try that. Let's try that. Let's try yeah. that. Let's yeah. try that. Um, and uh, fortunately, after college, I was taking the summer off uh, trying to figure out what the heck to do with my life. I'd worked construction through summers and breaks for the years before that, and um, it just so happened that Magic Cat was hiring a promotional person where I was living. So I was like, Why I can, not? Do, I can yeah. do beer promos. <laughs> Love beer. <laughs> and uh, managed to... Uh, to execute that pretty well, turned it into a full-time sales job, uh, decided that I really wasn't cut out to work sales at the age of 23, mm -hmm. and um, took a job on the kegging line here, and that was uh, eight and a half years ago mm -hmm. I started on the keg line. Nice. Learned the keg line, learned the centrifuge, learned the filter, ran the fermentation room, trained people in the fermentation room for a while, eventually got a lead seller position, and parlayed it into the head brewing job in November of 13. So it's amazing. It's, uh, it's been a a long road of learning and work, but uh, it's been fantastic. That's you know, great. Very, uh, very grateful for a lot of the guys that were here uh, before me that taught me. You know, some of the guys are running uh, some of the other best breweries around the state now. Uh, JP over at Von Trapp, Todd, who's working down at Foam and House of Fermentology. Uh, Matt is at Fiddlehead. Um, Justin's over <laughs> at Zero Gravity on Pine Street. Um, we have a couple guys up at 14 Star. Um, a couple guys at Lost Nation. There's uh, okay. Mark, who I Mark, uh, I came up with here at Magic Hat. We started a week apart. Is now running River Roost down in White River Junction. I heard about so, that last night. Yeah. Um, you know, it's I've had the, the joy of working with some really talented brewers that were uh, kind enough to to help train me throughout right. the process. So. Did you do the the, the five gallon homebrew thing at any point, or did you start on the big equipment and learn on the big equipment? Like, did you go straight to the bike, or were there any training wheels before? <laughs> uh, one, one of my roommates was an avid home brewer, yeah. and I, I helped out a little, but uh, I just dove right in. Um, so, you know, I consider myself the spoiled brat of the brewing industry <laughs> because I've had uh, the years of, of working here and training under some really talented guys, um, but with tools such as, you know, like uh, a digital gehaltometer to measure CO2 levels right. and other stuff. So, um it's not something I that's lost upon me in terms of the the luck I've had getting into the industry and, and the ability I've had to train with some really great brewers. So, um, yeah, I just dove in. Then cool. it's working out. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what what's, is there some special about Magic Hat that has pumped out these uh, brewers that have gone on to do some uh, some crazy stuff themselves? Um, you know, I think uh, one of the things that that has surrounded this brewery forever is that uh, you know we still do primary open fermentation which is somewhat of a lost art um, there's a lot of oh please help yourself uh, <laughs> top ups gentlemen didn't, didn't mean to uh, uh, you know leave you hanging I'm running dry <laughs> um, but uh, you know there's a lot of places inside the US yes. that do some open fermentation you know one two maybe three tanks um, we currently have 15 tanks in our open fermentation room that do uh, you know about 1,100 barrels of open fermentation every week. Right. Um, and the what that kind of breeds is 
dedication to detail, um, whether it's detail on ingredients, detail in sanitation, that uh, that I think all these guys were able to to really hone here and then take to um, their own places and develop new flavors, new styles. Right. Um, but you know the most breweries that are that are larger scale production breweries have that that history of turning out really talented brewers mostly right. because it gives you that that reverence of you know it, n- knowing that if you're producing beer that's going to a bunch of states mm-hmm. quality is key and yes. quality is absolutely king so if you cut a corner here on cleaning a tank or don't spray down that section of the room like the whole place so, goes to shit yeah so, yeah no, you can cut. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I never know. Shit, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, uh, you know, I think uh, that having the open fermentation room and just having um, some some really open guys who are willing to train um, is part of it. You know, right. now that I'm in the head brewing role, if I'm doing my job right, mm-hmm. I should be losing staff members every once in a while to either start their own places or move on to to lead and head roles at other breweries because that's that's part of it. Part know, of the training game, right? and letting people explore what they want to do is grow or is, whatever. is part yeah. of being in the brewing world. So, right. have you ever had? I know you might not be able to speak to this. Have you ever had aspirations of some just like sort to maybe have your own own sort of thing, or I mean, or you do you have enough freedom? Here to uh, I know that's a loaded question. No, um, it's, <laughs> oddly well, enough, I have a, I have a pretty clear answer. Uh, kind of, but no. Right. Um, oh, okay. So and the kind of but no gets to the aspirations of my own thing, um, especially with the way the brewing world is now. Um, so many breweries are opening, and I really like brewing. I like working right. around beer. I'm not in a mindset to start a business just yet. Um, which is what which is you what have really to doing. do to open a brewery. Unless you um, have some sort of partner that handles the entrepreneur right, and the paperwork right. and getting permits and all the other nonsense. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but from a, an interesting standpoint, you know, being here, I have um, all the freedom when it comes to writing new recipes and having the guys write new recipes. We have uh, total control over product that's being brewed and packaged. Um, and that all comes, you know, being part of a larger company mm-hmm. has some serious benefits like paid vacation. Right. <laughs> healthcare. <laughs> these are nice these, things. These to are have. very yeah. nice things to have yeah. that aren't necessarily uh, prevalent in the brewing world. Right. You know, it's 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 production work. So right. um, I'm dangerous. very blessed yeah. to be here and uh, and I have a lot of uh, fervor to to not only work on the new beers that are seeing just Vermont, but to uh, to push Magic Hat as far as I can, and, and you know, kind of regain some of the national presence we used to have for for being what we are. So, right. um, it's a good gig. I'm not going anywhere okay, anytime right. soon, yeah, unless right. they throw me out. Yeah. If they throw me out, well, all right. All right. <laughs> we'll see what happens. So, a couple of things actually I want to touch on. This beer is that from the Vermont Only series. Um, do you want to speak to that? Because that's super cool. Yeah. So um, one of the things that's, uh, that can happen to anybody as you, uh, as you grow is you turn your focus to larger scale markets. Right. You know, right now, Magic Hat's distributed in 42 states. That's a lot. That's a lot of different people, a lot of different tastes to keep happy. Yes. Um, and uh, in doing so and in 
you know, because we've had such great success here and growing, um, one of the things we, we kind of forgot to do was look back to the people that allowed us to get success in the first place, which right. is the home and local market. So um, the Vermont Only series is uh, is us partnering with 20 bars and restaurants around the state right. um, that are some of the best craft beer destinations in Vermont right now, um, and providing one log each month of a different beer of some really elevated styles that, that speak to what uh, the general drinker around Vermont wants right. um, and kind of, you know, giving back to the people that allowed us to get so big, you know. Um, Vermont has a, a history of support local, drink local, and uh, which is fantastic. Yes. You know, it allows a lot of the breweries to exist. Um, and we kind of forgot to, as much as we do some big events that donate to local charities and stuff like that, we just kind of misstepped and forgot to take care of some of our own for a little bit. So this right. is our chance to to show that we didn't forget. We just stumbled a Looking little bit that. and we're, we're back. in a different direction. Um, yeah, so um, the other side is it's a chance for myself and the brewing team to just really go bananas style-wise. So the first beer was an IPA. This is a double IPA. We're working on a Doppelbach with a whole bunch of local maple. Nice. Um, we're going to work on a smoked Hellas style. Okay. Um, we're going to be working on a Russian Imperial Stout for later in the year. Big um, stuff, eh? Lots of big, bold. Big stuff. High ABV for the most yeah. part? Um, somewhat. Yeah. Um, we have a Saison for March oh. that's uh, only 5.7, okay, but cool. uh, really delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to work on an ESB with some local ingredients. Uh, we're going to work on a smoked beer with... Um, a local partner, Vermont Smoke and Cure, that does smoked meats, bacon, cool. ham, all that kind of stuff, um, and a local malt store, Peterson Malt. And they're going to produce. The idea is they're going to produce the malt. We may have Vermont uh, Smoke and Cure smoke it to do um, either a Marzen or Oktoberfest or something for for the fall. Right. But um, we're going to explore styles that Magic Hat has a brewery hasn't necessarily done a like, lot of right um and it's uh it's just an excuse for myself and the brewers to play and like, it, cool it's, stuff, it's right? a playground um yeah. you know as much as it's a playground we are doing a bunch of trial batches ahead of time to make sure that we're delivering on flavor and overall profile um so it's not just a hey we put this together take it yeah um we're, we're honing the recipes in but it's it's our playground it's our chance to you know show that while we put in the work to do the big stuff we can also do the, do cool, the small stuff small and do stuff, the, yeah. the cool stuff well. So. Is the number nine still mm. your number one uh, seller? Your, it is. Where you produce the most? What percentage is number nine you're selling? Because I know you guys have a wide range of different styles and, and types of beer, but I feel like this is this has been your flagship beer, and uh, it's kind of what you're known for. When, yeah. Number nine pays the bills, yes, uh, for right. sure. I think... Uh, I'll have to check my math, but I think mm-hmm. it's right around 50 or 51% oh. of everything we make and okay. sell right now. Cool. Um, so, and, uh, you know, the interesting thing with number nine is that when we launched number nine, I think it was around 95 or 96, wow. um, it was supposed to be a seasonal. Ah, and then okay. as the season was coming to a close, everybody was like, if you stop selling this, <laughs> we're going to cut you. <laughs> um, so we listened. We kept uh, making it. and. Didn't get cut, thankfully. Very important. Um, and, uh, you know, it just, it, it took on a whole life of its own that uh, that grew. You know, obviously, um, 
It's a lighter style. It's based on a classic English pale with some two-row caramel 80 and uh, some Apollo and Cascade hops, 5.1%. Uh, so it's not necessarily, if you're looking for a giant double IPA, yeah, it's, not it's, yeah. it's not that, <laughs> yeah. but uh, it's an easy, really good, re like really refreshing go-to beer when you need that. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in every style has its time and place. Um, whether you always said that. I always <laughs> say that. I always say that. We were just talking about that before. So being that the flagship beer is somewhat of an approachable, like, you know, for for like an entry level, it's not going to scare away the craft uh, or the new people who are new to craft. Would you define Magic Hat as somewhat of a um, not a gateway brewery, but like all the beers I've had from you guys have been. Approachable, right? Approachable yeah. is the word I'm looking for. Thank you. And I mean that in a really positive way because I feel like they get a bad, not a bad rap, but they don't get yeah. enough props in right. the sense of like there's the craft beer market, 12% of the states, but then the other right. seven, whatever it is, 88%. Like, these are great beers to pull yeah. some. I, I know you have some crazy shit. You know, we've had the Belgian Quad. I've had a yeah. bunch of the other ones that I'm like, oh, you know, even for, like those ones are intense for me as a beer nerd. So I know, but I feel like you guys have a... Uh, a larger amount of approachable beers than some other breweries. Is there? A, is that intentional? Um, I I would say to a certain extent, yes. Yep. Um, you know, uh, one of the things uh, that I've always said, and and one of my big philosophies around right. beer is, I will always be a beer appreciator and a beer um, promoter, but I will check myself at the door and and refrain from where it gets into some some dangerous or potential like snobbish categories right right um you know so beer is meant to be enjoyed yes. by the masses like it's it's supposed to be a drink for the people That's so great. um far be it from me to say that the number of people that are buying number nine or buying the approachable styles all the time are wrong Right. Um, I understand there are going to be different tastes, and you're not always going to please every drinker all the time. No. Um, but beer doesn't have to be this crazy sacred thing that's like, ooh, I was able to get this one bottle once, and it's on this giant pedestal, and I'm going to yeah. pour four ounces, <laughs> and it's going to be like, you know, a come to Jesus moment. <laughs> like, sometimes you just need a beer that is well-made, defect-free, and good and refreshing. Right. Um, now, obviously, you can do that across a number of styles, but but having, to me, the humility to make something that's approachable um, and can can even tickle the people who don't lean towards giant IPAs is a good thing. Right. You know, it, it, as a brewer, if I can't, and my staff can't brew all styles well, then we've, we've got some work to do, so. Okay, interesting. Just wasn't sure as far as uh, if, if there was somewhat of a, like, you went out there, because you said this was a fluke, not a fluke, but like it wasn't intentional, it wasn't like, hey, I'm going to make a beer that everybody loves, and uh, that's what's going to keep the lights on type of thing. Well, it was, it was intended to be a beer that everybody loves, but at the time, it was only supposed to be seasonal. A one-off, a seasonal, <laughs> right, right. and then people um, loved it so much, kept it on, and that's become your flagship beer now, really. Yeah, yeah. so, um, you know, far be it from from me or anybody else inside the company to say like, uh, you know, if everybody loves this, no, no, we won't give it to you. <laughs> right. I mean, I, you know, we have 
the ability being with a, you know, we've been around for 23 years. We have a pretty large scale production brewery right now. So we can, we can make things in quantity. And um, I understand why some breweries want to stay smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a different business model. And yeah. it, you know, to each their own. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with doing smaller scale stuff. There's nothing wrong with uh, growing to a certain size and being happy with it. Right. Um, we just happen to go a different direction and are, have grown beyond uh, just the state and are in 42 states currently. And, you know, it's just what it is. Right. So, so speaking of that, um, huh. someone who's been to the... Um, I guess it's important to talk about uh, the fact that it was Magic Hat was bought out in 2007. 2000, 2010. 2010. Okay. Yes. And you uh, being here for 10 years, you lived through that. Yep. And I feel like it's one thing that in craft beer, it's like the the big like elephant in the room type yeah, of thing, or definitely. you know, it's, it's unspoken of yeah. for the most part. And we don't think we've ever actually spoken to anybody who, I guess, because we don't really interview macro brewers, and I guess, and we haven't spoken to one that has been bought out. So this is fascinating for us to actually get first-hand experience to be like, all right, from so someone on the inside, yeah, and yeah. Who, who stuck around clearly for the last seven years. So clearly, you know, whatever happened in the internal part of Magic Hat was not this big devil came in and uh, <laughs> took it over. So I'd love to get just perspective from your side of how that felt, you know, what happened when it changed and did you see any cultural changes on the inside or, you know, just how, how that looked like. Whatever. Yeah, so um, to, to kick it off, I'm going to swing through a, a quick anecdote. Yes. Um, so a couple of years back, uh, we did... Uh, a collaboration brew with Vermont Pub and Brewery. Yes. Um, it was called Stephen Sour. It was a, a passion fruit IPA that was slightly nice. sour from using passion fruit in the fermentation vessel. Damn. And um, so I had recently come on board as the head brewer. I had been here for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, because I had just started, we were scheduled to do like the first pilot batch on their, you know, one gallon or uh, one barrel system mm-hmm. or half barrel system. Yeah. Like, I don't know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months after I started. Oh, okay. And uh, so I, I showed up and met with Russ, who's uh, who's the brewer there. Um, thankfully, I had known uh, Steve Polowasik, who was Greg Noonan's original partner for quite some time, but showed up and, and met Russ there. And uh, he kind of looked at me really funny. He's like, well, you have work pants on, you're in a t-shirt, you have safety glasses, and you have brewing boots, and you clearly look like you're ready to actually work. <laughs> I was like, good. yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was like, yeah. I just kind of assumed it was going to be, you know, suit some then, suit type. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. hey, do I'm this, the head brewer and yeah. I don't touch anything. <laughs> um, and it was, uh, it was a wonderful experience because um, he was just like, wow, I I kind of forgot. I just assumed yeah. that, you know, since there was somebody new coming in, you would have been like yeah. some new guy from the big parent company. Right. Um, but so... Uh, through the history and from being privately held to uh, growing a little bit, um, the whole story of the buyout was kind of Magic Hat purchased uh, Pyramid Brewing Company in 2008. Um, there was a couple things that went on economically, slightly over leveraged. So um, at that time, when Magic Hat bought Pyramid, they formed Independent Brewers United as like a, okay. a holding company type. Right. It was just, it was the same people here. It was just a, an umbrella corporation to to own the two breweries and then uh in 2010 uh after things had kind of gone sideways with the economy you know 2008 was yeah, really was bad, bad year yeah 2009 wasn't a great year either um 
North American Breweries bought the entirety of Independent Brewers United. So right. North American Breweries, yeah, uh, they? so they're based in Rochester, New York. Okay. They own and operate the Genesee High Falls Brewing Company. Uh, they have the distribu- uh, excuse me, distribution rights to Labatt USA. Right. Uh, they do Genesee. They now own Magic Hat, Pyramid. Um, they own JW Dundee's. Um, the, the, the brewery uh, Honey Brown. It's a it's an older yeah, craft think, brewery that's yeah. fizzled, I think. But uh, um, so they have a, a few different things, and they do uh, a bunch of uh, different production. Right. Um, so they're not. Sorry, sorry to cut you. No, I hadn't heard of, uh, so what is it, North American Breweries? North American Breweries, yeah. So I've never heard of it, because I think I thought, it's always AB, right? Like, who else always buys people yeah. out or SAB or something? Um, is that, it just sounds like a, a private company, so like a larger company. Is it um, considered a macro, because it's not a macro brewery that bought it out, though, right? Well, like yes and no. We're getting there. There's okay. more to the story. Okay. So, okay. No. Continue, continue. Uh, so, uh, North American Breweries was run by private equity at the time. Okay. Uh, a couple of years later, 2012, the private equity firm that founded and started North American Breweries yes. sold the entirety of North American Breweries to Cerveceria uh, Costa Rica, uh, which is a, the brewing that. arm yeah. of Florida Ice and Farm Company. So Cerveceria Costa Rica makes Imperial. So if yeah, you go to Puerto Rico, that, right, or not, right, right. if you yeah, go to Costa Rica, yeah. you drink Imperial. That's right. like, uh, so, so we're owned now by Cerveceria Costa Rica. North American Brewing Company's rights back. Yeah. That's the chain. So, That's the, the large-scale right. business side of it all. But okay. um, Makes sense. through all that buyout, essentially what has happened is that the reason bigger companies get into craft breweries is not because they want to change it and they want to drown us. They, you know, in, in the way I look at it, which is a very different approach than most people, is that the big guys are buying craft breweries because they've realized they can't necessarily compete. So, if you can't compete and you can't push them out of business, can't beat them. Why them, not? Right? Why not own them and collect the revenue? Right. Um, which is probably an unpopular opinion, but it's the way I see it. Because right. being here as long as I have, they didn't change the ingredients we use. They didn't change the way we make beer. They didn't change our access to ingredients, although we now kind of have better access to ingredients. Right. Um, you know, from the production standpoint, nothing changed. Um, they bought us. We still employ about 50 people here at the brewery in South Burlington. We have another 30 people that are uh, part of the foundry, as we call them, that are our, um, you know, uh, creative marketing, uh, art department, all that uh, web design department. So there's 80 people employed locally that all are either from Vermont or transplants like myself that have been living in Vermont for quite some time mm-hmm. um, that, that work here. And so I understand the, the moral approach to wanting to support local and wanting to support small, um, but just because somebody's owned doesn't necessarily change the beer at all. Right. It can. It hasn't changed anything here. Okay. Uh, How about you know. internally, like the internal company culture? Because I guess, and there's two, sounds like there's two uh, steps in it. It was one when North American breweries took it over, and then one when the service area Costa Rica yeah. came in. Um, so it's, it's been somewhat fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, anytime there's major change, it, things are going to be in flux. Of course. Um, but uh, through, through all of it, um, 
the one thing that that the parent company has come to understand is that just because you're all one large company mm-hmm. doesn't mean you can force a single culture on anybody. Right. So we're allowed to operate the way we operate. We have the freedom and flexibility to do what we want to do and how we want to do it. We may need to explain to them why it works and how it works, but that's just like anything. I mean, if you were a kid and you asked your parents to go out on a Friday night till 2.30 in the morning when you were 16, mm-hmm. they kind of wanted to know where you were going, what you were doing, and sure. why. Yeah. Reasonable. Right. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like we have this cool uncle that has a bigger piggy bank <laughs> that, that, that allows us to say, we really want to get a couple new tanks because we want to explore some new styles, or we want to upgrade this piece of equipment for better efficiency. Right. And they can say, okay, we have the money, right. go for it. Um, and they, you know, we've been uh, fortunate in that they believe in everything we do here at Magic Hat, and they have invested pretty heavily in, you know, some infrastructure and, and changes. So it's, um, it's a weird thing. I understand where people come from when they, they kind of turn their back to it. Yeah. Um, that's fine, um, but we're just brewers making beer. Yeah. You know, for me, it's uh, it's the ability to pursue my passion and and really get to do things um, almost on a grander scale because we have that that cool uncle right with the big bank account. The hooky up here now. Yeah. Interesting. So. Okay. Have you had anyone? And tell me if this is too invasive, but like, have you had anyone to, within the beer scene? Do you feel that yourself or any of the other employees here at Magic Hat get treated slightly different or like shunned or anything like that from uh, um, other local breweries or anything like that? The one thing I can say locally, uh, at least um, in the state of Vermont, you know, I've had the, the joy of being part of the Vermont Brewers Association um, and the, the unequivocal answer locally is no. Right. Um, you know, everybody understands, you know, the, the that we're here, we're right. still, we're still brewers. We're still making yeah. beer. Um, and you didn't make the decision. It was right. It the was guys nobody on the production floor. Like, it's, like, it, hey. it's big business. Yeah. Every once in a while, big business rears its nasty, or what some people consider a nasty head. Yeah. <laughs> it goes. But uh, you know, the um, the local community is is not only supportive and embraces myself and the rest of the brewers, but. Um, you know they're they're excited to see some level of, of give back to the local community too because it you know there's nothing worse than than being that big guy that forgets their roots entirely and just yeah. storms off and uh, we haven't done that and and won't do that so yeah. um, people are are great um, you know the brewing industry as a whole obviously some people will say you know I don't drink that stuff anymore it's it's going to somebody else it's like Okay, right. But you know, to me, and kind of in line with what I've said before, like beer is beer. And if you like it, drink it. If you want to have other uh, motivations for why you support certain companies or not, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Right. Go for it. You know, live your life. It, it's we don't have to fight as much as we can. Let's all just be friends and drink good beer together. <laughs> I don't see why not. That's why we're yeah. here, right? I mean, That's why we're here. Yes. The good stuff. Breaking that. So what so, do we uh, have next? Uh, so the next one is Feast of Fools. Um, Feast of Fools is a beer we have done uh, throughout the years. And um, 
It's a uh, a raspberry stout. So Ooh, right, right to the top. Right to the top. Right to the top. That's what I like. Start on you, Craig. Yeah, yeah. Start with Craig. I gotta clean up a little bit here. Um, <laughs> but uh, so um, so it's not a brand new uh, brand new one. No, it's uh, the recipe itself has undergone some changes Ice. over the years. Um, you know, we since we we used to make it like once a year uh, as. Uh, artifactory only release um, for a couple of years we made it and solely um, used it to uh, to give to some of our, our business partners okay um, but uh, the base of it is uh, this year we, we tweaked the recipe a little bit we had been making it at 6% we've gone up to 7.2 um, we moved that. away from some some raspberry mm. essence and went to pureed raspberries oh, nice. um, and and tweaked the malt bill just a little bit um, to give it a little bit more body. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Cheers. Um, so what you're left with is um, it's not entirely black when you hold it up to the light. You know, there's mm. some some light red edges oh, yeah. uh, to it, but um, the overall flavor is um, mm. is like a a dark chocolate with a raspberry yeah. drizzle on the top. Nice. You know, like it's, it's subtle great. too, eh? Yeah, yeah. it's not back, super strong, not not sweet. Um, super like it, it tastes like well. crushable almost, even though it's seven point two. I feel like yeah. you can smash this down. It's dangerous. <laughs> now the well, dangerous beer. You know, beers. Well, might get me in trouble, but beers should be dangerous <laughs> in a certain sense. You know what I mean? So like this yeah. episode, um, you should be. Dangerous. Beer should be dangerous <laughs> if, if you're, you know, uh, nobody drinks beer because they want to taste harsh fusel alcohols. That's it. Yeah. If you, you wanted harsh fusel alcohols, you'd drink Big liquor. Liquor. Oh, cheap um, stuff in that. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, not that really good liquor doesn't. That or, is true. Really good liquor is balanced and doesn't taste like harsh fusel mm-hmm. alcohols. But, yeah. um, you know, the, the point of beer is to be masked to have the alcohol not necessarily masked but wrapped into the layers of malt the layers of hops and and other things you want to add to it um to create a a good breadth of flavor and depth of flavor definitely is is this one a uh part of that vermont uh only series at all no so um yeah the the feast of fools is actually part of what we call our humdinger series um so uh four or five times a year we release what we call a humdinger um, we just had a release party here last night for We Heavy Champ, which is our uh, Scottish ale, right? 8% Scotch, Scottish ale. That, uh, Scotch? Scotch Sc- same thing? Scottish ale, Scotch ale. I see them as relatively equivocal. Mm-hmm. I may be viciously wrong. <laughs> let us know if we're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> for all the purists out there, um, yeah, yeah. please, you yeah, know, let us in the comments. Um, not going to lie, I, I, as much as I am, I love beer and, and viciously into beer, I'm not overly academic on the BJCP or Beer Judge sort of yeah, yeah. certification program side of what makes one style this and one style that. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand analytical differences and know the the idea around different styles, but at the same time, uh, craft brewers in America have thrown style out the goddamn window anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> a completely reinvented style. Was it when uh, we were being told yesterday that they changed it in line with, with that? Was that what um, I think it was? They might. Was saying, mm-hmm. like, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think because because the styles have become maybe it was like just something that people kept doing. Like I don't know, maybe 
Vermont IPA might be a well, I think they're example. adding styles as new That's styles what I'm saying. Are it's People yeah. just keep yeah. doing this one, which is a, maybe a combination of two styles or like a deviation, yeah. and it's become so popular. It's like, all right, well, look, this is just a thing now. Yeah, they're, they've, they've kind of, you know, like, 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 like the, English, the English language dictionary, they've adopted um, some different meanings for words because of commonplace usage and stuff like that. So, right. so they, they have adjusted to a certain point. Um, my, my comment was more directed at, you know, like, sometimes you can go pick up an American pale ale that's 75 IBUs and 6.5%. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that's, that's an actually, IPA, analytically, that's, a, that's like in the double IBU yeah. category. Yeah. But like it's technical. American pale ale, right. apparently. So, yeah, we're um, talking about that, too. We were talking so, yesterday, actually. It was kind of funny. There were some styles just like oxymorons, like double session. Yeah, <laughs> some imperial double session light. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were joking. Like, yeah, yeah, light imperial light. Like, yeah. how do you make a double like, session that's kind of... But apparently it's a thing. Have you heard of thing? Yeah. I, I have yeah. not heard of the double session. I've, I've actually joked really on occasion that yeah. I want to make a session barley wine. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would actually work. Yeah. Do, yeah. do that, that exactly. barley wine? Would well, that that's, right. that's, 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 it might just be yeah. a brown. I don't know. <laughs> that's the, the contradiction. I love um, it. Yeah, the craft beer yeah. is out of control. I, mean, I can see why people give it shit all the time, like being hipster and ridiculous. Like if yeah. people... Because I, I don't know, we, I don't see that side of it so much. I feel like all the people we meet are guys like yourself, just like cool people that we like have very easy conversations with because we're all just beer guys and, and we enjoy it. And then when I see people like on, on the internet like who are kind of giving shit to craft beer and be all you pretentious hipster wankers and stuff, I'm yeah. like, oh, I, I just don't see that. And then we get told about yeah, and then you're like, oh, double session IPA. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. those guys. Those guys, yes. Yeah, I their mean, own, I guess. Um, yeah. The interesting thing and part of it that comes into play that I understand, you know, working with a bigger company, like we have a team of uh, two or three people that we call our brand managers that work on the marketing side. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially when you're, you're launching stuff to people, like you want to give drinkers a realistic expectation of what they're getting into. Yes. So if you're changing boundaries and brewing something that is not brewed to style, you kind of have to play with how you explain that to people. Right. Um, a good example is a beer we did last summer called Art Hop Ale. We called it um, an Imperial Blonde. Okay. Everybody's like, that's a thing. Like, <laughs> what is an Imperial Blonde? Um, for us, it was, you know, it was an all Pilsner base um, using our house English ale yeast, and uh, it came in at 8%. Um, right. We also used uh, a heavy dose or, or a decent amount of blood orange and sage at the end of the boil. Nice. Uh, we used a lot of orange peel in the primary fermenter, and uh, awesome. we coupled that with um, some uh, Cascade, Simcoe, and Amarillo hops in the boil and it was almost like an eight percent mimosa in a glass Ooh, like damn, you know like delightful citrusy yeah. but balanced sweet you didn't taste the booze at all and you know amazing everyone's like just hot i don't get it like what's an imperial blonde i'm like that's an imperial blonde like, i don't know it's it's not a pilsner it's not an ipa it's, it's not, not a, really a fruit, like a fruit beer, beer. like yeah it, it's an imperial blonde. On so. a side note, not to get into it too much, but we, we do a little home brewing. We, we could. We actually could. <laughs> From a home brewer's standpoint, you said you did orange peel in the primary? Yeah. Okay, because I hear, like, I always ask this question because I'm really curious about it. Adding fruit to beer, when do you do it? Like, and there's how? so many different applications and yeah. how. Does it go in the mash? Does it go in the primary? Does it go in the boil? Does it go in the secondary? Like, there's so many yeah. ways of doing it. I've kind of heard that in the primary, you just kind of let the yeast do its thing, keep all 
anything else out of it if you're going to add it, do it earlier or after. So it was interesting to me when you said you put orange peel in the primer. I guess that maybe that extracts uh, it a little differently or... Yeah, for us, it was it was trial and error. Okay. Um, so we brewed like eight to ten different batches. Mm -hmm. uh, we added the orange peel at the end of it, like right at flame out. We yeah. added uh, a little bit before flame out. We tried using it as a dry hop, and, and we tried putting it in during fermentation, and the best flavor we found was oh. doing it during primary fermentation. Hmm. So um, the interesting thing okay. that you're going to somewhat combat depending on your fermentation is that obviously because the fermentation is a roiling process and all those CO2 bubbles are floating out any really volatile compounds could potentially get pushed out during that primary right, right. but for us it just it was it was a trial thing. Well to yeah it and that was a, okay cool does it differ in the homebrew process because the equipment is a lot more rudimentary than these uh, much more controlled larger systems um Yes and no. Okay. Um, you know, uh, the biggest thing you, you encounter on on the, the small homebrew scale is your boil tends to be much more vigorous. Um, you know, you'll see a much bigger... <laughs> it's still funny. The 30 <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Brewery sounds. Yeah, right? yeah. I'm, I'm going to release an album you one should. day. It's going to be called sound. Brewery Sounds. Don't steal it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, you get a really vigorous boil on a direct fire homebrew system, whether it's direct fire or you're doing it on a stovetop. As it, we do, yeah. It, yeah. It gets, we keep a hood. You tend to, uh, you know, tend to get a, a lot bigger Harder. drop in Play-Doh. Oh, uh, okay. okay. But uh, the, the overall thing is that whether it's homebrewing or whether it's production brewing, if I was to take the Art Hub ale recipe we did here and go to any other brewery, mm -hmm. I'm sure I'd have to tweak it to try and get the same results anyway. Uh, you know right. what I mean? Like every system, every system, yeah, every yeah, system yeah. is different. Whether it's homebrew or whether it's production, <clears throat> um, every system is different. So, right. which is why even if you give me the recipe to your Magic Hat Number Nine, it's not going to taste anything like it. Yeah. If I brew it at home or on a different system, you can get pretty darn close. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the whole beauty of clones is you can you can share the malt you use, the hops you use. Um, you know the percentage that each malt needs to be, um, and people can get close, but it may not be identical. Right? right. Are you guys um, open source? Like, are you uh, relatively? relatively um, yeah. You know, so every once in a while, I'll get uh, requests from from homebrewers through mm -hmm. our our website or stuff for for a recipe, and I'm happy to to share. You know, kind of the malts we use. Yeah. Um, and, and certain things. I mean, there's some stuff that's proprietary information. Sure. But um, for the most part, I'm very happy. You know, if people are like, I want to make that beer, I can I can give them enough information to... Give it a good crack. To, yeah. to get yeah. close. Cool. Um, then I'm happy to. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's part of brewing. Yeah, um, I guess so, right? Sharing. Share the and, love. Uh, yeah. You know. Speaking of recipes, being that you've uh, been here for such a long time, you've been the head brewer for quite a while, have you had any uh, particular recipes that are out that are one of a regular magic hat or maybe even a seasonal that you're super proud of or uh, maybe that's even if it was a recipe that you had a large part in as opposed to being all you? Yeah. Um, so there's a couple that I've, uh, I kind of saw from, from start to, to current. Um, one of my favorites, uh, Snow Roller, which uh, 
admittedly, I actually looked at a couple of different browns and milds we had done, mm -hmm. and then pushed it in a totally different direction. But it was a hoppy brown we did for the winter that um, I loved. Not everybody felt the same way, but like, <laughs> that was a recipe that, that I kind of built and, and enjoyed. Um, Wilhelm Scream was our fall seasonal a couple of years oh, ago. That. that was great, pumpkin. Um, which was an interesting endeavor um, because, uh, you know, that was that was a, an interesting scenario where um, in, in talking with, with certain people, I'm not a huge pumpkin fan. Okay. But I understood the need to have a pumpkin beer in the fall. Right. Um, and so I always laughed at my biggest compliment from people is like, I don't usually drink pumpkins, but I love that. And I'm like, right. like all right. I, I succeeded. I got you. <laughs> um, but, you know, that, that was a fun recipe to work on. And uh, since, uh, you know, I've done a couple, um, Feast of Fools was not my base recipe. But I've played with it, tweaked it a little bit to get to where we currently are, right. um, which was a lot of fun. Um, you can see that route, that the red looking from the top. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Sexy. Uh, there's a couple other beers like that that, while the base recipe wasn't mine, um, but you did it, contributed. Later massaged on. it a little bit, changed nice. it a little bit to to evoke some different flavors, um, which is you know which is okay. Um, and to me, you know, the other side is I work with ten other brewers. Um, as much so as as to, much as like the glory is nice, for the yeah. but. Yeah. Especially now, like with the Vermont Only series, it's we're thinking about doing this. How would you do it? Right. How would you do it? Um, you know, because to to put solely myself and and solely my brewing ideas into all of our beers would be a shame for everybody. Right. Um, because I I am very proud of the beers I've made, but I also know that sometimes a second set of eyes is going to make it that much better. Right. A third set of eyes, a fourth set of eyes, you know, what have you. So um, it, it's there's a couple that have been mine, but uh, I like to work in collaboration with the other brewers here and even, you know, locally. Um, if we're pursuing an, an avenue we haven't gone to, reach out to anybody in the You've state and say, it, like, those more maybe. Yeah, yeah, if you had to do this, how would you do it? Hmm. Um which is one of the greatest joys in the brewing community is most people, uh, if not all of them, are very open to, you know, because Sharing especially ideas. here in Vermont, um, they, we want to share ideas, but the entire brewing community here also wants to make sure we kind of preserve the identity of Vermont-made beers right. and preserve that quality. So if it means talking through, you know, some technical training that one or two of us have had that others haven't had or sharing, you know, best practices, we're, we're happy to do it because everybody making good beer is Everyone wins. good for yeah, all of yeah, us. Um, and what does that process look like when people bring it? So is it like, excuse me, so if, you know, you're a brewer, someone just one of your brewers on your team, it's like, man, Chris, man, I want to make this like mango IPA. Like, what do you reckon? Like, how, how does that? Is it like a boardroom? Everyone sits down and brainstorms and writes Or is it like you just have an idea and bring it to yeah. someone or maybe you yeah, tell another guy it, on the team, right. like, yo, I had this idea and then he reckons we could add this, that'd be sick. Like, and then you got this, uh, what is it, five barrel or this yeah. the, the pilot system. Like, yeah, how does that uh, pattern look like? Uh, oddly, it's, um, it's really disjointed. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, mostly because, you know, like, 
all these ideas and stuff kind of come to fruition while we're going through normal day-to-day -day production. Uh, so like okay. the centrifuge is running, the filter right. is running, the brew house is running. Hey, it's like, I had an idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, it all, you know, it all kind of starts with um, either a base style or or an idea for improving certain beers or different beers and stuff like that. So um, it's it's very fluid but disjointed at the same time. Right. You know, we may come up with an idea while we're working on something else, and it's like, okay, we need to make a note, come back to that. Right. Um, so it, it kind of all filters in somehow. Right. Um, like people ha have the freedom to be able to come up to you as the head brewer and be like, hey, Chris, I got this idea. Do you think this could work? Is that yeah. And you're totally um, open to hearing those ideas. And then um, say if someone came up to you and, and had that idea, then and you're like, that's cool. Then what? Was that um, like, do you have a meeting like Scott was suggesting, like with everyone, and be like, "Hey guys, so we want to do this. Does anyone have any suggestions? This is what I'm thinking for the recipe." Uh, a lot of times, if it's if it's an individual idea and something they want to do, whether they want to do it on the homebrew side or whether they want to do it uh, here at work, um, my my first step is say, "Okay, like start with a base recipe." You know, we we have tools here to to help build base recipes, so it's like. Okay, if you if you want to do this and we want to do it here, build a race recipe and then we can sit we'll down talk. and talk about it some other time and I can go over, you know, some of the things I know or some of the things that other people around the brewery know and, and very much chicken. encourage, say, like, you know, go talk to so-and-so. Um, like, our lead brewer, Andy, loves pilsners, right. loves lighter styles. So, like, if anybody wants to brew something lighter style, I'm like, go talk, talk to, to him. him. Like, he, he brews a lot here. He brews a lot at home. Like has a lot of experience in some lighter styles so right. he may have a pointer for um you know mash additives for your water adjustment or base malts that may lean better in that style so hmm. um you know always start with if you have an idea awesome let's right. get it on some paper let's get what the recipe will look like and then we can talk through is this malt better is that malt better these hops better you know figure out what flavors and what descriptors you want to have in the finished product mm -hmm. and then we can dial in on how to how to evoke it with the different raw materials right so, and do you let people uh do that on company time They're like i'm getting paid right now i'm gonna go brew my own little beer on this uh, five barrel pilot system using company uh company time company, company money, materials company, uh, well or is I, it more like after work john you can stay there <laughs> no brew um, extracurricular yeah brewing. uh th this is where my uh working in a production brewery will show a lot more. Um, if anybody's gonna be here brewing, it's going to be paid time. Um, okay. Simply, and like I said, this is where the, the production side of me comes out, but liability reasons. I don't, oh, you know, true. as much as I'd be yeah, happy yeah, yeah. to have people here brewing whenever, um, I don't happens. want somebody here off the clock and if something goes wrong and they get a boil over and they get badly burnt or shit goes haywire, True. like, That's a wrap. you know, I want to make sure the, the guys who are doing it are taken care of. That's so um, it's 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 on company time. Um, Very cool. It, it may not be as, as free-flowing as we necessarily want it to be all the time, but, um, you know, we may Depends need to be able to find, is, right? yeah, maybe, yeah, may need to find time to do it, but, um, you know, happy to do it. And uh, one of the, the unfortunate downsides being larger and um, you know the conversation comes up every once in a while. It's like if you're if you're going to build a recipe in house here and you're going to brew it here, that kind of becomes proprietary information for the company. So like 
Like if, if you bring it here, then you know it's ours. If it was built here and built in-house, then like, I please mean, don't take it. If you know, if you go to do your own thing, like, understand that if you use my help or anybody's help within the company, it's kind of a company, company information. Now, yeah, so exactly. it's kind of like music which and stuff. Sucks, yeah, it's IP but, at yeah, the end of the day. Sure. I, I don't know if it really sucks. I know from a business standpoint, because craft beer, there's two sides of it. There's the business side, which is just cold hard logic, and then there's the passion and the art. It's an art. At the end of the day, what you yeah. do is an art, and I think that's where the whole conversation about the parent companies and stuff that's why there's an issue is because it's an art if it wasn't yeah. business no one would give a shit it's just great for you oh you got an extra hundred million good for you bro like yeah you know what i mean so i feel like that's uh if craft beer concept. was solely a business every yeah. brewery or if brewing was solely a business every brewery and their brother would be making beer with malt extract with hop extract yeah. and would not it would be not be exploring any of these no, styles it'd be boring because as hell. yeah it'd be disgusting they're expensive they're inefficient, but they're goddamn delicious. That's yeah. it. <laughs> so good. And that's so, the key part. Um, you know, if it, if it wasn't an art form, uh, it, it wouldn't necessarily be anywhere near where it is today. 100%. Um, I think it's time for the yeah, lightning, uh, round. Lightning, lightning round. round. <laughs> lightning round. Lightning round. Now, sometimes we always say it's, uh, Scott calls it the molasses round. Yeah. Because <laughs> people take forever, but this I don't is know, up This to is you. on you. So some people are like, oh, bang, 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 bang. They yeah. know their answers. It really trips us out when they do. Let's talk about it a little bit. Yes, yeah, yeah, so you, you can take your pick. Call, if you want to extend, expand, yeah. please. Uh, guilty pleasure beer. So I, I don't know how you seem the most open-minded dude we've spoken yeah. to for a while. So it'd be the, the type that maybe you had a beer that you'd be embarrassed to admit to us. And You still uh, like it. Or there's a time um, and a place for it, right? Yeah. There, There is no beer that I'm embarrassed to say uh, I drink. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's... It, without calling out individuals, sometimes you just got to do some can crushing. Some light yeah. American lager can crushing like is it. good for the soul every once in a while. And like, not, not to name it. names, right? But yeah, 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 yeah. you know, uh, I, well, it, if we want to get into names, I mean, like when I was in college, I drank a ton of Bush Light. Because it was cheap. Nice. Right. nice. And it did the tasted trick. like nothing. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it it was, was joyous. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I like it. Except those hangovers, though. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. Any hangover is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Croft hangovers are a little bad. No, I'm no they're much. worse. <laughs> they're worse. Than, no. Yeah. There's I'm more. Like preservatives, though. That's the one thing that that's gets you. Yeah. It's because of the strength. Like, I'm a bit yeah, mashed yeah. up today, and it's like... But even the biggest brewers don't necessarily put preservatives in their beer. They filter the hell out of it, True. which preserves yeah, yeah. it a lot better. Right, but right, 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 right. There's, there's not, not always, there's not, not crazy preserve. Right. You know, there's not this like super fake. Yeah, yeah, pasteurization is a great way to preserve food. Right? Yeah, right. Um, you know, anything that's pasteurized, you taste it day one, it may taste like, you know, a great beer that was brewed 60 days ago. Yeah, but it'll be flavor stable for the next. I don't know, 150 right? yeah. year, like long amount of days and, yeah, and years. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. Beer you would decline under any circumstance. So if you went to a barbecue and you didn't bring your own beer, as unlikely as that is. Ooh, uh, it's like, hey, like, hey, we got a bunch of cold whatever it is. And you're like, uh, uh, do you know that? Water, maybe a Coke. Perhaps you're a Coca-Cola. I think the only time I decline any beer is when I'm sick. That's cool. fair. Cool. That's fair. Uh, I don't know if I've ever actually turned down a beer because it's a beer. I have okay. I have an interesting philosophy around beer itself, which is beer is good. Now, beer at its very core is a great thing. 
Um, there may not be flavors that I thoroughly enjoy, but you know, I haven't found it's, one that I can't at least stomach. It's still right. beer. Like it's like pizza. Like even bad mm. pizza, that's it's still pizza though. Like yeah, I've I've had yeah. some when I'm out at bars that you know you get and you're like, wow, that's a really filthy tap line, <laughs> and I'll pass it back and get a different one. But I have never had a a single beer that I'm just like, there's no way I'm going like anywhere near that. Or, yeah. Um, yeah, like at its base. That's fair. That is fair. Uh, favorite beer style. So mm. I know you probably like a bit of everything, but maybe if you had like a go-to. Um, well, I don't, I feel bad as a brewer that I don't have like a, this is my go-to beer mm -hmm. all the time. Um, but I also kind of relish the fact that I don't have a go-to beer. Yeah. You know, to your point earlier, like every beer has its time and place. Mm -hmm. um, some of my favorite styles are, uh, are, are somewhat in the Belgian family. Okay. A, good, a good double or a good nice. Abbey yeah. style ale. Like, I lean towards maltier flavors. Um, right. I just really enjoy them. Um, no one said that yet. Smoked scotch answer. ale is like... Smoked right up there scotch too. ale. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's... Uh, You're one of the few that okay. a lot of people dislike scotch ale. Just or sorry, no, just like... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go. No, no, I was going to say the smoke. Especially the, the smoked. smoked yeah. People tend oh. to hate the smoke. I love it. Yeah, it reminds me of like, well, because like when I was growing up, the smoked cheeses and the, the, the meats oh, and stuff. Smoked like, cheese is fire. That's what it reminds me of. And I'm like, ah, yeah. oh, and like campfire and those warming feelings. There's a time and a place. No. So I feel like they, I really yeah. believe there is. Yeah. So at least favorite beer style. And that was probably the most common is that uh, smoked. Uh, yeah. Um, only special people can stomach that one. <laughs> Gotta be special. <laughs> that's an interesting question. Uh, yeah. I've never been asked that one. And uh, there you go. Look at that. I bring in the tough least questions. Least favorite beer question. Uh, or least favorite <laughs> beer style. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't mean doesn't mean hate. It just means like... No. I know you said you weren't crazy but like the pumpkin spice style. Yeah. I get... Yeah. yeah. Oh, give me pumpkin all we day, love, mate. I love, oh, I love that. Pumpkin beers, I just... Eh. Not into it? M well, let me rephrase. The way a lot of pumpkin beers are currently done, True. which is... That's fair. All the spice. Cinnamon and nutmeg, so, yeah. Not so much that you taste pumpkin, but yeah. that you're tasting pumpkin pie. Oh, I love uh, that. <laughs> If I want basic. pie, I want chocolate pie. cream pie all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Okay, I see. Cool. I see that respect. Which that most people may not call a pie because uh, it's chocolate pudding. It's just yeah, chocolate it's pudding and whipped cream, yeah. but I'm just saying that's, that's my jam. Um, desert Island beer. So this is probably more, you can go a style, but it's probably more aimed at a specific beer. So if you're oh, on Desert Island, you got to drink it every day. And the day. caveats, so we'll break down the caveats. So the temperature's perfect. It's in its prime. It's, it's always fresh, perfect and want. fresh as it can be. Or as aged as you like it to be. Or as well aged as you need it to be. Delivered however you like it. Yes. But just one. Um, but you're on Desert Island, you gotta drink this and a lot of it. <laughs> this is this is gonna be a fanboy answer, but uh Circus Boy is cool. is our American half that right like is <laughs> right, right there. Um it's so it's an American half, so it doesn't have huge banana or clove notes. Okay. Uh while I love a good traditional German half, it just makes it a little bit silkier. Um we use a touch of lemongrass in it, mm -hmm. but it just like Lemongrass, nice. No matter how I'm feeling, I have never felt it to be offensive on the palate in Ever. the slightest. Right. So it's great just, beer when you're stuck in a hot desert island. You can crush that Oh, all day. if it's 80 degrees yeah. out and sunny out, That's that beer one. is like heaven Get for me. Yeah. Nice. So, all right, yeah. great answer. Um, beer trend predictions. So being particularly someone in Vermont and in a larger production brewery who potentially maybe sees a, a different perspective on the market, 
um, anything you see that's like, what do you think where it's going to go right now? So it looks like right now we're, we're clearly sitting on these Northeast IPAs. Yeah. There's, a, there's a sour and goza kind of movement. Mm. Um, do you see, where, where, do you think, where do you see the needle moving? Um, I think, and, and um, I think what you'll see is a shift back to really well-made approachable. Yeah. Like I think, uh, you know, a, a good Pilsner mm-hmm. is going to be a big thing. Um, might be personal bias, but I, I think ESBs could make a roaring wow. comeback. Uh, you know, the, the amount of range you have within uh, ESB special bitters and extra, and, you know, like and regular bitters, you can evoke some really good flavors, some really good balance. You can let some hop shine. You can make it a little maltier. It's a style that has so much room for expansion hmm. that I think you know, at moderate ABV levels can really appeal to everybody. Right. Um, You know, short of, you know, going like Juice Bomb, American Pale Ales that are, you know, IPAs. 40 IBUs, but it's, you know, it's all the hops of an IPA. Yeah. Um, So, um, I'd like to see those. I mean, Sours and Gozes, uh, Berliner Weisses. Yeah, love Berliner Weisses. My one critique right now with a lot of the beer segment, which again may be viciously unpopular, is that uh, the idea that Gozas and Berliner Weisses are historically soured with lacto, which, as far as I know and as far as I've seen, isn't uh, wholeheartedly accurate. Okay. You know, like Leipziger Goes, which is like the classic style, right? Or the classic representation of a mm-hmm. Goza, mm-hmm. isn't sour. Okay. It's slightly tart because it's brewed with salt, but it's not a sour beer. Okay. Um, so um, I, I love a good sour. I just think, uh, you know, sours are delicious, but got to watch out for that goozy stomach. All yeah. that lactic acid buildup just Tastes doesn't do good things for nah. for the human body. Not so. at all. It's not meant. Um, Someone told me recently that gozes are actually brewed with seawater, which is why they have salt in it. Like originally, that that would make, make perfect sense. sense. That blew my mind. Yeah, dropping bombs on you guys. <laughs> um, favorite up and coming breweries? Is there anything that uh, stands out to you that oh. you feel like don't get the oh. shine? Um, that maybe they should or they're about to get this shine. And there were event. way more, with coming to Vermont, we knew kind of the big guys, but we came yeah. in and people kept telling us, try these people, try these people. We're like, oh my God, we didn't know there we was so have enough many. Time, <laughs> we, we don't have enough time back. to talk to everybody, but uh, yeah, I was just really surprised how many new breweries and new respectable breweries were popping up. So yeah, I feel like uh, there's lots of answers to this question. Yeah, there are. Um, I don't know if I necessarily have a great answer. Um, okay. I have, uh, you know, one that, that somewhat flies under the radar and almost intentionally knowing uh, the, the gentleman who started it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zero Gravity makes um, phenomenal beers. They explore a giant range of styles yep. and um, they just, they do a really good job. Uh, it helps that their taproom is literally like Right in the heart less of than a, less there, than a or? well, so they have the, the pub oh, the restaurant oh, downtown, yes, yes, yes. That's, and yeah. then they have um, the slightly larger thirty barrel system down on Pine Street. Okay, oh, but just a tap room. But um, I mean, I, I'm pretty close with a lot of the guys that work there. They're nice. fantastic people. They make amazing beer. Um, I'd be remiss, you know. Uh, foam is one. Uh, foam comes, comes up. up every I, I was just say like it, it's not. Yeah. 
Uh, it's not under the radar at all, yeah, but uh, you know, I I know the the crew there. Um, they're you know five industry veterans uh, that make really good beer. Right. Um, they've all worked in different breweries, in larger scale production breweries, and smaller breweries, and they're just you know they make good beer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, admittedly, you have to be ready for either a sour a saison or an IPA when you walk in but that's always, okay always always ready I like yeah, all three so I'm okay with that <laughs> yeah it's yeah. not a problem yes. <laughs> they just do know what you're getting yourself well, into so, yeah um, good answers that's yeah. good do you have a favorite beer city destination or country like if you want to go somewhere like a, like a beercation or just somewhere you're like yo I really love the beers from this maybe place maybe a place you haven't been but you heard is yeah, up and coming that you really yeah. want to go there I mean the the cop out answer, oh, bucket list city is Belgium. Belgium, yeah. oh, Belgium? Yeah. They're not no, city, right, but no. Uh, no, no, that counts. Country, uh, country, Belgium. Um, I don't think that's a cop out at all. Belgium, no. like OGs, it's, like it's, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I think uh, you know what I've heard of people that have visited visited Belgium is that you can get a bunch of different styles surrounding the the, the country. But, yeah. Um, yeah, like again, I mean. Drink. We <laughs> found out. You go on tours of the prison, they let kids drink. Matt told them. And take them to go. Yeah. They don't care. No, it wasn't Matt. Matt it was um, uh, Audio Time told us that. Oh. He went there and... Oh. Uh, uh, Will Gilson. Will, yeah. It was yeah. Matt. It was Matt. Oh, it was Matt? Matt, yeah. Okay, well, I'm sorry, guys. Matt. It's been a busy couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. He, said he was touring like the, the brewery in Belgium, yeah, and, he, and uh, there was literally a bunch of school, uh, school Sampling and taking six packs to go. And just sitting there. Part of the culture. Right, exactly. And that's, you know... That's where America's going. Represent. Mm. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, our puritanical society yeah. will never get there. But uh, maybe one day. Few of us may want to. Yeah. Uh, you know, which raises a great point about where we are right now. And in Vermont as a whole state has breweries everywhere and some amazingly talented people that are doing yes. great things. Um, and the biggest thing I laugh about is if you start at Fiddlehead right on 7, follow 7 into town and turn down on Pine Street and follow that into town, I think you hit like seven breweries and a cidery in like a 15 mile stretch. Wow. That's insane. <laughs> like, but like world class stuff on but, top of yeah, that. So yeah. it's, it's Fiddlehead, uh, us, Switchback. Switchback, Queen City, Zero Gravity, um, Zero Gravity Taproom downtown, Vermont Pub and Brewery, foam. Citizen Cider, and then Foam is foam in right downtown on the water as well. There, yeah. So like. And you can probably pop into Farmhouse uh, Taproom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can pop into Farmhouse yeah, and yeah, get any beer you want. Yeah. Uh, and I. I have to give a shout out to one of my favorite uh, dive bars around the city. Um, yes, that uh, Finnegan's is. Someone told us about that. Yeah. So that well, yeah. they have like the sneaky best beer Jason. list in town. Josh. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Josh, Jason. Yeah. Josh or Jason? Jason from uh, Beverage Warehouse. Yeah. Last oh, night. Yeah. yeah. Do you know him? Uh, the manager, the beer manager. Oh yes, yes. Beer? Right. Yeah, 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 biggest beer in the world. Yeah, yeah. comment on mm. it. That's how big mm-hmm. it was. We didn't, yeah, we didn't. I didn't want to. Uh, I was like, I'm not gonna be the typical guy and comment yeah. on your beer. We'll comment on it. We're we'll reading him right after this. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. About so um, it, it's funny. Everybody's like, you know, you go to Burlington, you gotta go to Farmhouse for the best beer selection. They yeah. have a great beer selection and they have good food. Um, but if you're looking for just a bar, Finnegan's has an equally good tap list, mostly focused focused on local. Cool. Um, but Love uh, that. phenomenal. And cool. the, the beauty of Burlington for me is even the diviest, worst bars in town have a good selection of decent beer. It may not be the best of the best mm-hmm. from around the state, but even the sketchiest bar you can walk into 
at least will have guys. you know yeah. good stuff as well as your your normal lunch. We went to this little shady uh, pizza bar right next to where we were staying in the Hilton on Main Street. Manhattan Pizza Pub. Manhattan, Manhattan yeah. yeah. So like, oh. we want to slice the pizza and it looked like a shitty pub. And yeah. we go in there and these like you know, 21 year old girls drinking focal banger like it's nothing. Like unassumingly mm-hmm. like shouldn't yeah. there be like a PBR in your hand or something? But they're like drinking. I, I did see some PBRs, beer. but yeah. like, it was just so like I was casual. impressed. I was like wow. And for us like you know as you can imagine it's like are you kidding me? Like this is like this is some shit that people line we up to get. The country <laughs> to get this and they're yeah. all like you guys just on, fr- on a vocal, Thursday like, night eating going a four dollar slice of pizza and drinking it anyway. No Manhattan's has been through a renaissance in the last few years. Okay. And like their tap list is amazing. Yeah, they um, had everything, like it, all, all the, the major ones. It's hard to go wrong in Burlington. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. Love this place. Um, do you have an underrated either style or brewery or city or country that doesn't may, maybe doesn't get, get the shine? Props, doesn't yeah. get the props, doesn't maybe all, yeah, just underrated specifically. Uh, style? Browns. Brown I'm ale. a sucker for a good English brown, and people are like, meh. I'm like, come yeah. on. <laughs> like Appreciate the yeah. beauty Give of your that. Give shake. Come like, on. It's delicious. good, like, no. kind of hoppy brown ale. We had a homebrew last night that a friend yeah. gave hoppy us. Hoppy brown, yeah. I enjoyed it. Like, I'm, like, I'm liking brown ales more. Mm. Browns, you know, even you know, reds, ambers get a lot of love. But, like, people just seem to hate on browns, and I don't get it. Like, it's a They're fantastic and style. And and just, yeah. There's a lot of different layers to it. And people yeah. are like, meh. Yeah. I want all the hops. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right, that's fine. But... That beer is damn good. It's just so easy to avoid them when you've got this hop extravaganza. Yeah. Like, I'm not even that interested in anything but those either. But then we keep, like, I mean, then I'm enjoying the hell out of all this. Not not that interested, that's not correct. But, like, blinded by the hop trail type of thing because it's so unlike anything that we get at home. So it's, uh, I think, the beer tourists come here and that's all they want. Whereas maybe as a local, it'll probably go in that direction. Mm. Because it's like, like you said, sport of choice and... If it's that easy to get all these crazy beers, then uh, why would you keep doing it? Last question. Best beer you ever drank in your life? So it doesn't Ooh. have to be... It's probably um, situational. Like, maybe you were in this crazy circumstance and it was just such an awesome uh, uh, thing yeah. that happened. Um, but, uh, <laughs> being in the beer business, I've, uh, I've had a lot of really good drinking occasions. I can imagine. Um, which is fantastic. <laughs> Straight up blessed. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I think I, I go to um, one of the beers that really changed my perspective of beer as a whole um, is Three Philosophers from Omegang over in Cooperstown, New York. Right. It's, uh, it's a blend of, of uh, I think it's like a blend of an Abbey Double and a Cherry Lambic. And it's Whoa. just like... A Double and a Lambic? Well, it's not, hmm. not Cherry Lambic. Because it's not sour, but it just—it's—it's it's just an it's, 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 it it's like amazing. it was the first beer that I had that really was like there are so many different flavors happening right now, mm. and, and I can't grasp any one of them right off the top. But it's slightly sweet. It's got good fruity flavors. It's got great malt base. It's really well rounded. Um, you know that that was a beer that I had uh, actually one of. Uh, a guy I graduated college with is uh, is Jeff Baker, who was the beer buyer at the farmhouse for quite some time, and now works for Farrell Distributing, doing some uh, some educational pieces. But he was like, "Just toys about it." Yep. Yeah, you, you got to try this this three philosophers. So I did, and I was just like, Damn. like just like blew your mind. You were yeah. a, a stuff was different brewer at that stage. No, is, I was. Uh, like I think younger? I was a senior in college. Okay. So, which at that point I was studying education or studying economics and philosophy. 
And um, he's like, you gotta try this. And I was like, all right. And I was just like, oh. Was that the beer that changed your perspective that almost pushed you towards brewing and getting into beer as a profession? Or did it have any influence on that? Um, I, I, I can't say no. I think yeah. every beer I've had before I got into brewing pushed me in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just, through tasting and trying different things, yeah. um, which wasn't just beer, I was also exposed to different wines and learning a little bit about wine really kind of drove my interests. Mm-hmm. And then couple that with a background in uh, hands-on work and construction. You know, I as much as I'm clean cut and wearing a button-down shirt, I, I'd like to get Dirty. You know, I like dirty. to work with my hands. I like to be. I saw the way you sprayed off that crozen off the. <laughs> you knew I saw you, you were held the element before. there, man. It just, you know, it's. <laughs> I, I like hands-on work and having a finished product at the end of the day. Um, so, knowing what flavors can be in beer, and pairing that with having a finished product at the end of the day, you know, getting to sample your wares yeah. at the end of like a long brew day or the end of a long week, is really just a an extremely gratifying experience for me. And mm-hmm. I think that's really what pushed me into making beer. Um, you know, because there's so many different flavors you can evoke with four ingredients. Yeah. Now, given among those four ingredients, the number of different malts and number of different hops you have is almost unlimited. And then yeast on top of that. Yeah, yeast on top of that. And, and water. water chemistry. Yeah, like, next level. four ingredients that you can create so many different expressions with that, like, it is That's so art, freeing right? and exciting. Yeah. Like not to, to mention your procedure as well, which also adds an extra different way yeah. to do it. Yeah. Um, so it's it's just you know I think beers, flavors, and and the love of getting to work and have have an example of what you did at the end of the day is is really yeah. what pushed me into getting into beer. And um, I don't think I'll ever go back. No. <laughs> you know, why would you? I live in Burlington, Vermont. I get to ski when I want. I get to bre- well. Kind of ski when I want. Yeah. <laughs> you have to show up here and work yeah. and make yeah, beer. That's here and but here so and I get to make beer. I get to ski. I get to live in a city that has great food, that has amazing beer. Um, it's hard to say no. Yeah. Nice so, life. That's it. Yeah. It's uh, worked out. No, 100%. Last question. Do you have any advice for um, up-and-coming brewers or maybe, you know, be, like yourself? Someone trying you know, to get in the game. years ago, someone trying to, exactly, trying to get in the um, game or maybe they're just man, man, I want to do this. You weren't classically trained. You have uh, there's multiple parts to this. Do you have any advice for uh, my for the children? <laughs> Belgium drinking <laughs> drinking beers. Um, Belgians trying to get. <laughs> you know, my biggest piece of advice to, to and I get to ask this question relatively frequently. My biggest piece of advice is is usually and almost always get a job in a brewery first. Um, get an idea of what it's like to work in a production brewery. Um, you know, opening your own brewery and running a small brew pub is a fantastic thing. Um, but there is a, a, a certain cachet and a certain reason why that's what a lot of people who work in the brewing industry professionally do as the second stage of life. You know what I mean? Um, getting to work in in any brewery, whether it's a craft brewery, whether it's, you know, one of the largest breweries in the world. Yeah. Um, you're going to learn so much about proper process, material handling, uh, handling excuse me, uh, good manufacturing Strong processes. <laughs> um, those things are 
at the very core of everybody that's successful in the brewing industry. Yeah. And if you don't have a good grip on on good process control, on you know proper handling your materials and making sure your sanitation is right, no matter how fun it may be, you can run into some pretty big gaps. So, um, and and you know, the other side is once you're in at a brewery, most breweries are relatively excited or happy to expose you to the couple different sides of the brewery. Right. So, um, you know, embrace that. Um, if you can, even if it's on the packaging line or working in the front like store or pub, start like, wherever you can get your foot in it's, the door. Having a job in the industry is really rewarding, number one. Number two, it can lead to some good things. Right. Um, and, you know, um, my next piece is, is for all the people that do either you know skip traditional university and, and go straight to, to brewing school or something. Um, if you can find an internship, awesome. A lot of a lot of brewing schools pre- present internship opportunities, but take some time um, to to get into the brewing world. Um, you know, one of my favorite anecdotes is we have a guy that works for us now, and he was a young kid when he went to brew school over in England and came back and uh you know like after like his second week he was like so when do we hire somebody to help me with all this stuff <laughs> and i kind of had to look at him and i'm like, like that's your job that, bro. you're that guy and he was like oh this like this brewing beer on a large scale isn't like you know we're not talking about recipes seven times a week and just right. sitting down and drinking beer like well, you're working there's, you're getting there's dirty. work to be yeah, done yeah. um and you know it, it's it's something to heed for anybody that wants to get into the industry because not all glamour. It's not all glamour. Yeah. Um, you know, I always joke that people say, oh, "You work in a brewery? It's got to be the most glamorous job in the world." And I'm like, quite the opposite, actually. I'm here, yeah. I'm here on a Saturday, That's one right. with you guys, but two yeah. because I have work to do. Yeah. Right. And you know, talk to me at three o'clock in the morning when something breaks and I'm down here six inches deep in yeast trying to clean stuff up. Right. Like, it's not very glamorous. Yeah. <laughs> but you love it, don't you? I do. Absolutely. Um, I, I think you have to love it. I can't right. stress enough the uh, the fact that even when I have super stressful days or weeks at work, like, I'm at home and I'm like, eh, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Have you seen my fridge? I'm sure yeah. your cellar is uh, on point. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get through it. It's uh, <laughs> since, since I, I uh, got married. So I used to live with, like, uh, two other guys. Right. The cellar would just kind of be like constantly rotating right, right, right. every Friday You'd Saturday drinking or it. random night of the yeah. week we'd pop a couple bottles uh, since I moved in with my wife or you know, since we got married started dating all that kind of stuff um, it's been accumulating she, she, well I've kind of stopped buying a lot uh, of it okay. um, because I know we we don't go through it um, and more so I don't right so she likes beer yeah. um, she enjoys beer that's important she's not super into crazy styles crazy mm-hmm. sours like I am so right, having right. a cellar is just like you know getting through a 22 isn't necessarily a chore yeah but sometimes it's a little you, know, yeah. you get home after a 12 14 hour day at the brewery and it's like yeah I'm gonna pop that and then you're like halfway through oh, the first God, class yeah. and you're like yeah. sleep oh. on the couch <laughs> <laughs> it's like whoops oh. <laughs> So, you know, it, it, yes, my, uh, my fridge is always full. I haven't, had to, uh, I haven't had to worry about having beer in the fridge since I started working in the brewing industry. A good, that's um, a good decade. Of, and uh, even just from stuff here and from having friends in the brewing industry, it's like there's never nothing in the fridge. 
may not be like the quick go-to bottle you're looking for, but there's always something, so it's good. That's how life should be. Man, Chris, we really appreciate your time, yeah, man. man. This has been a dope conversation and uh, something that we haven't really covered on the podcast before, so thanks for your honesty. Thank you, appreciate that. Tour. Thank you, Thank you very much for really coming. Really enjoyed it. it. Thanks a lot. Appreciate um, it a lot. Where can we find uh, Magic Hat online? Uh, so Magic Hat uh, can be found online at www.magichat.net. And uh, you'll social have... Social media? Uh, social media will be on Facebook, Twitter, uh, and... At Magic Hat or Magic Bat Brewing? At Magic... That's a good question. At Magic Hat... Brewery? Brewery or brewing? I can look. Just type yeah. in Magic Hat Brew or something. Yeah, we'll yeah. figure it out. I know, at, Magic Hat. Yeah, at, at Magic Hat, it'll, it'll show up in it'll the search bar. It'll show up. Perfect. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're all over. Um, you know, part of the joys of being part of a larger company is uh, my yes. boy Steve is uh, who we call The Voice, and he handles he runs all, the, uh, all that oh, stuff. Oh, Steve Hill. That's who yeah. we hooked it up. Yep. Steve Perfect. Hill is who you guys Steve Steve Hill. Shout out to Steve for making it happen. So um, make sure if you're, in, if you're in Vermont, come by. Please, it's such a cool do. Tour. Awesome brewery tour. I've been on it before, actually. actually really fun, right really now. cool place to be. Lots of swag, lots of beers to try at the bar. Yeah, like so there's literally a ton. Come like down, food. be here. We have recently, uh, so previously we always had up to about eight or nine. Uh, we did some work in the cooler. We will now have anywhere from 12 to 15 different beers on tap. Uh, six wrong. or seven of them that you won't find anywhere else. So perfect. And I guarantee if you have some free samples, you're taking some home too. Because, that's it. Yeah. You got the new cans. You got a bunch of new bottles. You can get this uh, the raspberry stout at least, and as well the uh, Vermont only series. series. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, the growls too. Yeah. And check out the Vermont only series, which I assume is going to be available here or just yep. at those bars. Av uh, available here on draft and uh, at the bus. Perfect. So uh, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, review, rate the podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes and on YouTube. And follow us on social media, at BAOS Podcast. You know the drill, things in the details below. That's it. Thanks again, Chris. You're Cheers. The man. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, guys. <laughs>